Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 131. And I'm here to tell you that not all majors cast Meteor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, Albert. Yes, welcome, Julius. Welcome. Glad you're here. How's it going? It's going great. I'm having a wonderful time down here in Memphis where it is sweltering hot from the summer. Excellent. Oh, it's been pretty cool here except for the last couple of days where the sun came back out. And it's finally reached 90, oh but it gosh. was surprisingly cool the last week. No, it's been super hot here and muggy and humid and just horrible. So I've decided to stay inside and play board games. Good idea. There you go. <laughs> I've been uh, enjoying some board games too. It's the 4th of July weekend and I've had a, I have a four-day weekend, which is awesome and actually free time lately to play games. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, so I've been getting ready. I've been playing Arkham Horror, the card game. Oh yeah, you're getting set to start going towards prepping for that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Looking, looking forward to that. I've been enjoying the game. Yes. Definitely have to do a big show for that. But I yeah. definitely want to make sure that we thank all of our patrons though on Patreon uh, before we go ahead and get started on the show. Especially, let's just shout out to a couple random people from the large list because I don't think we've had any new come. But let's give a thanks to Ryan Mikulaj, Mark. Raygun, David, Andy, uh, another Ryan, Gregory, Oda, and all the rest of our Patreons over there. We thank you guys so much for continuing to support us um, and helping us be able to advance the show. And actually, one of the things that the Patreon is going for is being able to let me send over my copy of Renegade to Albert for him to take a look at so we can get a preview of it before the Kickstarter goes live. Yep. Thank you for helping us do that, people. So thank you very much for everyone on Patreon, and everyone can find us on patreon.com slash oneplayerpodcast. All right. Yep, thanks, everyone. And, and so you said you've been playing Renegade. I have been playing Renegade. Are you familiar with this one, Albert? I've heard of it. I know it's a Victory Points title. I don't remember much else about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ricky it's Royal? Being, it's being done by, yes, uh, Ricky of the Ricky Royal channel, who does solo playthroughs of various different games. So he's designed a game called Renegade, which is going to be coming to Kickstarter, I believe, on the 18th. That is July 18th. So it's going to be a Kickstarter soon. And this is a puzzle um, cooperative board game where you are a set of hackers trying to infiltrate a system and not get um, bumped back out by all the countermeasures that the system's putting against you. And it's a deck building game similar to Mage Knight type where you will do some light deck building over the course of the game to enhance your deck and get your deck a bit more powerful. But primarily you're using your hand of cards to move around on the board, put out new programs, put out new systems, and it creates a puzzle with that light deck building, which is very, uh, very reminders, very much reminds me of mage Knight. I think. Mm -hmm, Cool. Okay. In fact, I think for me, one of the real draws for this is this is really like the mini Mage Knight I've always been looking for, that I very much like Mage Knight, but it is a long game to play. It's like a three to four hour game. Yeah. The puzzle and the cards and the movement and how all that works out for me gives me the Mage Knight feeling I'm looking for in only about an hour's time. So for me, it just fills that niche of being a mini Mage Knight that I've really been looking for. Wow. Okay, that's cool. That's a mage knight, but actually playable. He's from playable in a short, playable <laughs> in a short period of time. That's the yeah. puzzle that it's looking for. It yeah, just, I, I could not play thing. mage knight. I, I mean, it just takes too long, and well, and I don't have it, I guess. But that's beside the point. And, and you know, hours to set it up, and you got to leave it out, and I can't do that, so mm-hmm. it doesn't get played. Yeah, but I don't think that's true at all for this one because again, it takes that that excellent puzzle trying to interact with the cards that you have and buy more cards and upgrade your deck and interact with all the components on the board to have different goals and also the game keeps you focused because there's both a short-term goal and a long-term goal you have to make sure that you survive and the countermeasures don't overwhelm you but throughout the game there's different short-term goals there's three short-term goals a bronze silver and gold one and that 
the fact that there's different short-term goals and those can be random each game keeps it being very replayable, but it also means that you're very focused on both the short-term goals and the long-term goals, which means that you have a lot of stuff you're working with, a lot of goals and things to do in a normal game. Similar again to Mage Knight, how you have the sort of overarching goal of eventually getting to the city, while in the meantime you have a shorter goal of trying to get to this one mage tower over here, or try to get to the inner areas over here. And you know, to a certain degree, you have to create those goals for yourself in order to proceed on. And this one keeps you focused and keeps you working on those short-term goals, which is just really nice. Uh, the press kit that I do have, and Albert, you're again, like we were just talking, you're going to be, I'm going to send this over to you so you can also talk about it before the Kickstarter gets live. But the art on the cards is really nice. I like what they've done for the art on the cards. It's a great style. I expect we're going to be seeing more card arts and things like that coming on the course of the Kickstarter. Personally, I think that the game board is going to need a bit of work. I think the game board is probably too small and a little bland. There's Because you have a lot of those, those viruses that you're putting out on the board, it can really start to stack up and make it so you can't see the numbers on the board and stuff starts spilling over from the hexes. And I think the reference cards need work and the rules need a bit of work. But again, this is just the press kit, so I fully expect those things to go there. But in terms of how the the general overview of it based on just this press kit... This is an amazing puzzle, and it's the mini mage knight I've always been looking for. <laughs> cool. And when you say mini mage knight, does that also mean it takes up less table space? It does take up less table space. Yes. Okay. It takes up probably a third the amount that mage knight does. Okay, but the but the final version may have a bigger board than what you're playing now. I'm sure hoping it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I like compact games, so I you know I'm fine if it doesn't. Then again, I haven't seen it, so who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you'll you'll be able to have a chance to talk about it, hopefully in two weeks. Very cool. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Uh, so that's Renegade. That's definitely one thing I've recently been playing. Do you guys think you've been playing? We'll take turns. I, I, okay, I've been playing a couple of games lately. Uh, actually, not solo, but I got a, a game that is solo-friendly. Oddly enough, it's called Saboteur The Duel. Um, are you familiar with Saboteur? The game's been around for like 10 or 15 years now. I am. It's a, it's a bit of a take that game, right? Where, where you're dwarves mining for gold, but you get to get in each other's ways and cause each other trouble. So there's a new version called The Duel for two players. I played it with my son today, and it was, oh man, he loved it. It was fun. I was, you know, just getting in each other's ways. That's the sort of thing he loves to do. And, <laughs> and it has sounds like something rules. a kid would like. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he used to be terrible at it, but now he's getting so much better. Excuse me. <coughs> but, um,. It does include solo rules, so I'm going to try that next. And it looks interesting. It looks kind of a light trying trying to get the, the high score and figure out how to do that sort of game. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. And a nice, fast game. Small box, just like the original Saboteur, say the original Onirium size box. Two-deck box. Yeah, you, you've been playing anything else? Um, well, I definitely had a chance to try out the Friday app. Have you heard of that app? Oh, I, I've heard about it, but I didn't try it. Uh, uh, you, you, you gave a bit of a review on it, and I decided uh, I'll pass for now. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's maybe talk about it a bit more if we can on the podcast, since I don't know if everybody's going to read the text reviews. But Friday is an excellent uh, solitaire board game deck builder. Uh, it's a small box game where you're trying to assist Robertson Crusoe in fighting off the pirates so that he can live on the island in peace and be intelligent. Um, small box game made by Freeman Freeze, an oldie but definitely one of the best solitaire games out there. Um, recently, there was a uh, app version of it that got released in the Android and the iOS store. Uh, it's a f- $4 app, and I bought it to try it out and after trying it for about a half hour, I just had to return it. I, I just simply can't recommend it. Um, and just to go through the problems that I had with it, I expect a certain when you're having an app game, and maybe I'm just spoiled by so many people doing apps so well, but I expect a certain amount of polish when you're taking a physical game over to an app game. So, you know, examples of polish that I'm looking for. I'm looking for a nice background music track like we have in Sentinels, like we have in Onirim. I expect there to be a nice background music track. I expect the sound effects to to flow well into that and match and, and sound nice. With mm-hmm. the Friday app, 
there is no background music and the sound effects just end up sounding jarring and repetitive and they don't really match. I mean, it sounds like the, the, it's not my actions that are turning the sound effects. The game just sort of does it by itself. And I mean, I've figured out what it is, but it, it just ends up being jarring by the way that those sound effects do. So I just play in silence and I understand, you know, that's how you're going to be playing the game if you're playing the physical version. But again, I expect a certain level of polish when I'm converting over to an app version of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just about every game has music these days, right? I agree. I, and that's what I'm saying. Um, I I know that there's been an update that has already fixed it since I tried it, but when I was looking at it, there was a bunch of German in the game, even when it's in English. And there were some errors with me trying to sign up for email and it just starts to show like they didn't finish all the development here. (laughs) Granted it's an app game and they can fix those things. And I think they even have based on watching to see that there's been some updates made, but there's errors there. You don't have an undo button and you don't have a tutorial button. So if you're trying to figure out the rules of the game, you're better off reading from your computer the rules of the game and then (laughs) playing the app. There's no tutorial. There's nothing really that teaches you well. And if you make a mistake, there's no undo button. Yeah, now to be fair, most games don't have an undo. At least I haven't found one near them, and that that kills me because once in a while I'll drag the wrong card up by mistake. Well, I understand that, that, but I think that's also because (laughs) in Oranirum, once you do it and you've revealed the next card, it's too late to do an undo. But, yeah. for example, Sentinels does. Does it? Okay. Sentinels has an undo button. Yeah, um, that, that would be nice in Onirum. That, that would be appreciated. Because that's so frustrating. You're playing, and all of a sudden, you make a stupid mistake, and you, you may as well just give up. <laughs> I, I've done that. But in, anyway, I mean, f- regarding Friday, it, it it is annoying. It's kind of frustrating. Or not frustrating. It's it You don't want to release a game that's that unpolished. You know, hold on to it for another week before you release it. Some of those things. I think it's just, it's probably I think just it's another week. I think it's another round of development is what's going to need. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, some of the some of the bug fixes was already available within the first week. Some of the bug fixes, like the German text, they've already done. But for instance, I was saying in my original review that they don't have good indicators of something. If you're going to lose because you don't have enough health to to win, it should tell you that that if you push this button, you will lose. Right. It doesn't oh, yeah. tell you that. It doesn't tell you that. So if you accidentally hit the stop drawing button when you're going to fail and die, it doesn't change the stop button to be like a skull or something like that to show that you're going to die. If it would have, when I was playing, because you know, I wasn't paying grand attention, one reason is because it's an app. You don't have nearly the visual indicator for an app as you do when you're playing an analog game. But it didn't tell me that I was about to die. So I was like, okay, I can stop and I can still do this. And I push stop. I'm like, oh, wait. No, 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 I can't. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. doesn't do that. If I wouldn't be paying better attention, fine. But I feel like the app should give you more warning for these sort of things. It just yeah. doesn't. There are certain expectations you have from an app, and, and that would be one of them, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at, at $4, it's, honestly, it's a little bit expensive, I think. Uh, I mean, it's still not bad. but I don't think it's so expensive for an app version of the game. Well, I mean, like... Uh, Carcassonne is about four bucks, right? Yeah. And you get a lot more. Right. I think that if they would have made an app that is as polished as Carcassonne or as polished as Onirim or, I mean, I can go through a whole list of things here. If they would have made an app that is as polished as one of those, then great. We wouldn't have had a problem with that. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> the app isn't as polished as any of those, and so I think that for $4, it's overpriced. If it would have been as polished and as nice as one of those, I wouldn't have a problem paying the $4 for it. It's just not as nicely polished. Well, I was going to say, I admit I'm not a huge fan of a Friday. The game is fun, but that that end game where you got all these tons of cards out, I've never enjoyed that part of it. Really? Yeah. No. Too too many cards on the table, and you know it's all this complicated trying to figure out which one to play and which one got doubled, and keep track of all that's a pain. With an app, that'll be great. I'll enjoy that. Well, I think that they were having some issues with the doubling, but you still have to figure out how you're doing that. And since there's no undo, you have to figure it all out before you do it. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a like select this and then confirm it. You know, just try things out and see the the impact before you do it. Correct. That would be nice. Oh, well. Anyway, I mean, I'm glad the game is out. I'm sure it will get better. So so definitely keep an eye out for it if you don't Hopefully get it already. It I found it funny that when I post, I, I mean, I post this up 
to put out my written review of it, I find offended that some people are like accusing me of having a hidden agenda because of some <laughs> of my critiques of it. I don't have any hidden agenda. I mean, if you consider my hidden agenda that I want people who want to listen to my reviews be informed without having to go through it, yeah, that may be my hidden agenda, but it's not like I'm out <laughs> to kill the guy. I, I have nothing against them. I just don't think they did as grand a job as Asmodee Digital does. Yep. And they're asking for the same price as Asmodee Digital. <laughs> well, yeah. That, that, that does, you know, I read your review and I thought that's... I definitely would like to see, I mean, if listeners would be interested in it, I'd like to see what board game app developers are doing, how they're trying to implement it, what sort of stuff they focus on, what what they consider for price point. I think that would probably be an interesting interview for us to have. Mm-hmm. That would be neat. So we'll have to see if we can't work that out for some time in the future. All right. All right. Um, what else do we got? We got anything else in today's show? Oh, you know, there's another thing. I um, I got this a while ago. D12 Solo Rules Gamebook um, by somebody named, uh, what is it? Oh, where's her? Kara Kang, which is actually a name from an old video game. And this is, it's kind of neat because it's a game book, you know, choose your own adventure sort of thing. But it's a, a open source and has instructions on how to make your own game book. So somebody could go and make their own. And it has three adventures in it. So I was checking that out today, finally. It's pretty neat. If you're interested in game books, you know, it's worth checking out. The The instructions on how to make your own is more of guidance and relatively light. Um, I, I didn't think it was super clear and some things could have been better. I got a little puzzled on it, but... But I love the idea that that's available and that it does offer guidance and it has a system for the combat and everything so you don't have to make up your own system. The person also has a bunch of books available, uh, like probably 10 or 20 already at this point. All sorts of different things, fantasy, sci-fi, westerns, uh, uh, World War II one, I think. Um, so so check that out. The, the name is Kara Kang. See, you know, I won't include a link. I can't spell nice. it. Yeah. One other game I want to talk about that I've been playing a bit recently, the Granha, um, which is a competitive game. It's another farming simulator where you are on a farm and you use dice drafting with other players to pick what actions you're going to have available on your turn. It's got a pretty good solo game for it, and I'm, I'm definitely intending on getting it on the podcast for a full review. We had actually been intending on having it be on here, mm-hmm. uh, and we Did ended I? up replacing it with, for later, for Big Book of Madness. <laughs> I find it funny just maybe to talk about the idea that sometimes we just want to sit down and we think we want to play a competitive solo game and then we end up wanting to play a cooperative solo game, which is really what's just happened with me for the last month or so. <laughs> I haven't wanted to play the solo competitive games. So I want to play the cooperative games. Is it because because the co-ops are lighter, do you think, or something? I, think I don't think it's because they're lighter. lighter. I mean, compare Big Book of Madness to the Granha. I don't think that they are that much lighter. Okay. I think it's just because I wanted to, I didn't want to be chasing after a high score or, or just playing like that. I wanted the uh, uniqueness of having a challenge when you're working <coughs> to it. And I wouldn't even say that's something I want in general. It just happens to be what I was wanting right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard it's a really good game. I've never played it. Well, we're definitely going to be getting it out here because it is a really good game. And there's also a dice game, isn't there? There is. No Siesta, which I do not own. Okay, and I think that also supports one player. Maybe. I'm not sure. I think so. We'll say it might. I don't know, so I wouldn't be able to tell you about it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So anyway, um, one last thing we want to talk about, which is some scheduling stuff. Mm -hmm. Albert... This is exciting. This is this is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been holding off on doing our review of Arkham Horror, the living card game, until after the full first cycle for the Dunwich Legacy had been released. Yeah, well, that next pack comes out this week. Right. This week, as the time of the recording, the final pack for the Dunwich Legacy is going to be coming out, which is the sixth. Um, so... I think Albert's going to be picking it up. I'm definitely going to be picking it up, and I'm going to be playing through that that scenario again. And then I intend shortly after that to spend a couple days going through the whole of the uh, campaign again uh, with some local friends and possibly again solo, uh, just to go over it all in one burst instead of it, you know over the six-month period that we've had it come out. 
But after we've done that, I'd love to have a big chat with anybody who wants to come and talk with us about Arkham Horror the Card Game. I know we've had a bunch of people who have been really excited about this. I know I've seen it show up on uh, Solitaire Games on your table. I'd like to have a big chat. We do have a Discord channel for the One Player Podcast, and I'll be putting a link to it in the show notes. Anybody who wants to come join us, we're going to be recording the next episode, which is going to be dedicated to Arkham Horror the Living Card Game, on July 16th at 8 o'clock central. Uh, people who want to come join us for a voice chat, go ahead and just shoot me an email and we'll see if we can't work anything out. If you just want to participate in text and listen into us and tell us what you're thinking, what you want to hear us talk about, uh, your thoughts, your ideas about Arkham Horror, where you're going to try and read all the comments and have a very interactive one. We don't, you know, this, we've had these occasionally. And I think for something as big, expansive, a game that I probably spent the most hours playing of any other (laughs) game, Definitely the last year, but possibly all time playing this game. I want to give it its full due, and I want to invite all of our listeners to join me in having this big chat, and Albert too. Mm-hmm, yep. You know, and honestly, actually, Julius, you just sounded so excited about it already. I think we don't even have to talk about the game anymore. <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot to talk about. <laughs> there there's, is there's a lot of different aspects. We're going to be talking about the idea of a living card game model, what it means, you know, the expense, the the drip drop nature coming into it, comparing it with the idea of something like a Gloomhaven or Mansions of Madness, something like that. In addition to how this model plays, we're going to compare it to other LCGs, compare it to competitive ones, compare it to Lord of the Rings, talk about the actual gameplay elements itself, what they did right, what they did wrong, if any of the scenarios have any issues with them, things to be aware of. You know, I think we're going to spend a fair amount of time going through it, and I'd love to hear what listeners also want to hear about, or if any listeners want to join us and get your voice out there. This is a chance. Yep, this will be neat. You know, and if this works out, we'll probably do it again. Yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. So we're going to be doing that on our Discord channel on July 16th at 8 o'clock Central. Everyone is welcome to join. All right, cool. Um, What else do we got to talk about? That being said, I think we're about ready to head into the Oh, review. wait, wait, wait. One more thing. This was brand new. Just came out today. Th- that Remember last time we talked about the one-player guild board game? Uh, who's Gary? Oh, there gosh. Is Mort- <laughs> yes, Morden had a challenge for it, and today was the last day to play the in the challenge. I missed playing it. I kept meaning to do it. What was the challenge? It was just to play and post your score. Highest score wins. Okay. Um, many people got it, the, ne- the, the bad score. I forget what it was, like negative three or something, if I caught you. Um, unfortunately, I never got to play, so I never caught myself. I still have the game printed, so I'll still play it. But I can so, only participate in Morton's Challenge. Anyway, there is a winner. And, and the winner was Mikolai with 27 points, 28 points. Which is apparently a lot of guild gold. He got 28 guild gold in the game. Nice. That's what it was. Yep. So congratulations. It, it was fun following along, even if I didn't play it. Uh, <laughs> it was very crazy and entertaining idea. I got a kick out of it for sure. Thank you, Morton. And, and congratulations to everybody that played. All right, with that said, let's go ahead and move on to our review of the game, Big Book of Madness. Book of Magnus. This is a game I have not played when, it, when I first heard about it. It's like, oh, I really want to get this. This sounds cool. And then on BGG, I read some comments. Oh, it's not that great solo because of this or that. It could be done. but eh. And so I kind of ignored it. And now here's Julius telling me that he likes it. Right. And it's I definitely think game. that's one reason why I wanted to get it back into the podcast. Because when it first came out, I didn't pick up a copy for it because I played it with some friends. And I know I enjoyed playing with friends, but having played with friends, I just didn't think that it would play well solo. And I gave it a shot just once, like a like just to see a bit. I don't even think I played a full game of it. Um, <laughs> and I didn't do it. And so at one point in time, thanks to the uh, Trade It Forward 
geek list over on the guild, I've managed to pick up a copy of Big Book of Madness. And we definitely make it a point that whenever we do Big Book of Madness, we're very careful to ensure that we play through the game a certain number of times before we review it so that we make sure we get really in-depth and involved and understand what it is that it's doing. So I made sure that I did that, and yeah, I definitely am going to change my mind. I enjoy playing it this way. It's pretty good. Mm, Cool, and this is playing solo. This is playing it solo, exactly, yes. Is it play multiple characters? I know I'm jumping ahead a bit. Uh, Yes, it's playing multiple characters, and I will get back to that when we talk about it solo. Okay. Um, Even though I know I'm going a bit out of order, but I wanted to sort of give a preface that I know I've talked about it briefly before, but with the advantage of having played it many more times, because now I have a personal copy of it, I think my opinion has changed. Cool. And that's where we try and play a game multiple times. Exactly. Well, so, so this game is from 2015, so it's a couple years old already. It's designed by Maxime Ramborg, and the artist mm-hmm. is Xavier, Xavier Duran. I'm not going to pronounce the middle name. And it's done by <laughs> Yellow. Yes. And the basic idea of the game is that you are one of various wizard characters, Harry Potter-like characters, who have stumbled upon a giant book of magic. And when you try and open it, you are assailed by different forces and monsters that are trying to jump out at you and cause you to go insane. And your goal is continue to defeat their curses, defeat the monsters, and make your way through the entire book without going insane. Hmm, okay. So so wait a second. I'd always assumed it was a Lovecraftian game. You're saying it's more Potteresque? It's more Potteresque, yes. Wow. Okay. It just has it has all sorts of monsters, but it's more like Harry Potter having to deal with monsters than than Lovecraft. Oh, because you're at a school. Yes. Aren't you? That's right. Okay. I remember you telling me this before now. Yeah. Um and the game is played mostly with a deck building mechanic and spells that you're doing having to build off of it your deck is going to be your elements that you're getting as you play through the game and you start off with a bunch of level ones and you'll level up and you get twos and threes in there and you'll get better spells and you'll use those spells to defeat the curses and keep going through the game so let's go ahead and talk about the rules um the rules are pretty clear when you read through it you can go through the rules and i definitely thought it was easy to understand the big problem for me was that As we talked before, I played this game when it first came out. And so when I got the game again, I pulled it out and I just read the rules reference. This was a mistake, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which probably makes me think that the player reference sheet is quite lacking. There are three elements that I really wish the player reference sheet would have had. Um, For example, the player reference sheet doesn't remind you that you take a madness card each time you shuffle, that if you have a hand full of madness cards, you lose, and that you get a two value element when you destroy a curse. You have to... I felt like those are pretty crucial things. I understand the reference sheet can't have everything in it, but for the way the reference sheet is laid out, I just felt like those sort of things could have been in the reference sheet and weren't. And for having picked up the game two years later and having enough to be able to open up and play it and get almost everything correct, I don't know, I just feel like there should have been a better way of doing it. This is (laughs) as opposed to something like, and I'm going to keep referring back to it because it's an excellent designed rule book, but this is as opposed to something like Castles of Burgundy, which has on the side the the brief statement of everything that went on in the core book of the rules. So when you go through it, if it's your first time through it, you can read the whole thing. If you're just trying to refresh your memory about it, you can just read the stuff on the margins on the sides and understand all the rules. And you, you didn't have that with this. Um, and being that there's a bunch of details on it, I wish that it would have been there. But otherwise, you know, I, I have to say that the rules were otherwise pretty good. Okay. Definitely very pretty, easily laid out, easy to understand. So no other problems with the rules. I just wish the rules references would have been a, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a game breaker. It's just an inconvenience. It's just inconvenience, and it means that, you know, it's going to be the sort of thing that I'm going to be printing off a reminder sheet or something like that if there's not one on BGG. Um. So let's, that's the rules. Let's go ahead and talk about the components. And I'm going to say the components for this are incredible, amazing, beautiful, awesome. Um, any other word I can think about to positively describe them? Gorgeous. 
one by one just some of the things that that just will blow you away the board has the the game board for it is the lectern where the book is sitting along with spots for different curses that come out the art style for all the cards for the characters for the elements the curses for the monsters they are so well done it's not creepy it's it's colorful it's cartoonish but i like the style of it it's it's beautiful it makes you feel like harry potter it makes you feel like you're in uh, one of those cartoon shows it's not supposed to be scary it's not supposed to be like in arkham horror where it's trying to evoke a sense of the madness. It's a fun game that you're playing through, and I really like the art style across the whole thing. Also, the book, the big book of madness, is a deck of cards on your on the game board where there's a bottom cover and a top cover, and and you, if you pick it up, it looks like a mini book with each page being a card, and you will turn the book like you're turning pages. And it feels like a book. It's an actual book of madness that's going to be sitting on the table. So, so you're saying there's like two cards, one on the left, one on the right, and they're pages that you flip? Yes, exactly. You start the game and it's closed and it's cover up. So you open the cover. And so when you open the cover, you have a card on the left and a card on the right. The card on the left is the monster of the round. And the card on the right is what happens if you win or lose, if you beat that monster short-term goals wow. and so the card in the right is you're going to flip it to the left after you finish that monster. exactly like you're turning pages oh. of a book and the whole thing feels like a book and when you if you get all the way through you can physically close the book and it's the other cover it's the back cover of the book you've closed the book that's cool it's that, immersive like as as get out it's so immersive and looks so nice it mm-hmm. feels like a book and you don't, I mean, it may be something that's subtle, but it helps bring you into the game when it actually feels like a book. Another piece that's really cool. There are two wooden pieces that you use for tracking uh, which round you're on and which step in that round you're at, which is a wizard's a, a wood wizard's hat and a wooden book. Both of those are really nice pieces. They look really good. Cool, okay. Yeah, you know, Yellow makes nice games all around. All other games look nice, nice components. Mm-hmm. This one sounds a little better than most, though, honestly. I don't remember others with uh, wooden bits like that. Well, it's only two wooden bits. There's only a few. I don't know that there's many, but they needed to have some stand-up wooden bits to put in there, and they brought it home. They did a really good job with all of the pieces in the game. The art, the style, the immersiveness, all of it really brings you in. It's great. The components are great nice i did think that maybe the the cars are a slightly lower stock than i'd like but i got the game used um and i got the game with some low quality sleeves so i don't know if that's just because the amount of time that i personally played through it that is just starting to show some wear um i actually have replaced all the sleeves and the copy i got so i couldn't tell you because i didn't get a brand new um so that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because I got it sleeved, the insert doesn't really accommodate sleeved cards. It kind of coulda, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Wish it did. <laughs> that's <laughs> a shame. It is a shame, but it's it's a very common thing, and you know whatever. <laughs> I know it doesn't bug you to throw out the inserts, but but whenever I get stuck in a situation where it's either be, I'm able to do something like sleeve, or I have to throw out the insert, it, it always bugs me. So I don't want to throw out the insert. And well, this one actually it does kind of bug me. I haven't thrown away the insert because I reorganized it all so it still fits in the insert. And I'm actually thinking about hmm. cutting away it a little bit of the yeah. insert to make it fit even better. <laughs> so, Yeah, I, I wish we would just make the insert slightly, especially if there's enough space on it. So, sometimes there's so much dead air in there. Yeah. I, I definitely hear you talking. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's with components. Everything looks really great. Might a bit about the insert. Let's go ahead and talk about the gameplay. So I talked briefly about the gameplay. The idea of the game is that you're going to have a deck of cards and your deck is going to consist of the different elements, earth, air, fire, water, and madness cards. Madness cards are really just the chaff of your deck and you can spend other elements to cure your madness and to get rid of them. Um, Otherwise, you're using those elements. If you get four of a kind in general, you can use those to get rid of curses. Each of the monsters are going to come out with a set of curses. 
and those elements will will let you get rid of them. So you're going to have that deck and going to be trading in or buying up to get more powerful cards. Additionally, you're going to have a set of spells. Your element cards can be used to power those spells, and everyone starts off with the same basic four. And there's a market on the board uh, for other more powerful spells. A little bit more detail in the game plan. I felt like it was necessary to start talking about some of the issues that I did see with the game. The first okay. issue that I saw was... Setup does take quite a while because every character's deck, starting deck, is unique. So when you get the game, you have to build everyone's individual decks. If you're playing with only two players, it's not that bad. If you're playing with more players, then especially if you're teaching everybody, you have to go build everyone's deck and do that. And that could be harder. Not easy. It could be harder. You can't just keep the decks pre-built? You cannot just keep the decks pre-built. There's not enough cards to be able to keep the decks pre-built especially because some of the decks require level two cards if you're playing in larger groups it would just deplete all of your level two cards and you'd be at a loss for being able to buy those okay. so you can't really just keep all the decks pre-built gotcha. but that keeps the price down because otherwise they'd have to print a lot more cards i believe so yes mm-hmm. if they just had a bunch of pre-built decks like that yeah i believe it would but yeah. this way they don't have to do that um, so that's the first issue that I saw with that. Another issue that I saw is the game is pretty hard to beat. Even on the low level, it's still pretty hard to beat. And there is no easy mode. I would have expected maybe just one step easier to make it one step. Like many other games have a mode where you're, if you sit down and play it, you're going to beat it. Even if you're a newbie, even if you're doing it for your first time, you're going to beat it and it's easy to do. The game didn't really have that. I could definitely see ways that they could have implemented an easy mode, give you a couple extra level twos to start off the game, make spells a bit easier or something like that. They could have done an easy mode, but there isn't an easy mode. There is normal, hard, difficult, even more difficult, even, even more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, they call level one easy, but... Easy should be beat most of the time, even with new players of the game, and I just don't think it was easy. I feel like it was just normal. Okay, well, it means it's going to have a, a long shelf life then. It definitely does. It's a diff- <laughs> it's a difficult game. This is this can get to the level of Ghost Stories type of difficult. Ugh, I don't like that one. Well, if you're playing on the difficult mode with the nightmare mode extra rules done, it, you're just going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like the. I'm sorry, ghost stories because of the how difficult it was. It, it would frustrate me. Well, I think ghost stories had absolutely no toggles to do that. This one, it, it did have a, a way to make it harder. I think it had an easy, a difficult mode and a really difficult. If I remember right. Well, on easy mode at this point in time, most of the time I can beat easy mode. What I'm saying is, there's no easy mode that a newbie player can beat yeah, and yeah. feel good. There's not, there's not a newbie mode, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Easy mode, I can beat most of the time. And that easy mode is not a challenge for me. Okay. So it's a tough game. It can it can be a definitely a tough game. If you play with all the difficulties, it can definitely be a tough game. Yes. Um, the next thing, the next issue I had is there's that spell market. And so the way the spell market works is the cheap spells on top, the, the spells on top of the markets are the uh, cheaper spells, the less powerful spells, and you have to clear those away to get to the more powerful spells underneath. Um, I often found myself not doing that is the problem. I often found myself just continuing to better my deck and not better my spells. So in playing the game now, I very rarely, unless I was trying to focus on it, like, oh, I want to try this strategy where I'm I'm going to get this spell and, and clear away all of the air spells and try and get the more powerful air spells. And I'll grant you, getting those powerful air spells, those are powerful spells. They can let you do some neat things. But the lower level spells, they aren't immediately neat, which means that you don't immediately want to buy them so they don't go so fast. So it, it, I find it difficult to want to buy through that market to get the more powerful spells underneath. You know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so you kind of end up feeling like part of that game doesn't even get used. Right. Often it doesn't. I was often not buying those spells. I was often just getting more powerful level 
lower level cards. And I think that maybe that would have been different because if you run out of two value cards and three value cards, you can't buy any more of those. So if I would have gone through and I would have been getting those and just emptying those all out, then I for sure would have been getting more powerful spells at that point in time because if you're doing well, getting more spells, and if you're doing really well and you have no more level twos, you're great. But the le- the number of level two spells doesn't vary by player count. So at level at higher player counts, that may be something that could possibly happen. But at lower player counts, that doesn't feel like it's likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shrug. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate when the game does that, where, where I feel like I'm missing some of that challenge or, or there's too much of a challenge in, in one mode versus another. Well, it's not that there's too much. I, I don't think it does. It's not a matter of challenge because even on higher levels, I still haven't seen the spell purchases getting that's, used. It's just a matter that I'm yeah. not seeing those more powerful spells coming out without having to focus on them. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, are you, you're playing, are you playing multiple characters? Can you just play more characters or is that kind of unwieldy? It's, it's going to be unwieldy. I'll get back to that in solo, but even in multiplayer in multiplayer, I played the high player counts. I played full five player counts and I'm still not seeing that happen. Oh, okay. So I don't think it's a matter of player count because and I've played multiplayer and I've enjoyed playing the game multiplayer also. But I, I to, it, I'm making more out of this because it's a quibble. I wish I could see more of it get used. And I can kind of think of ways that they could have made those get used, but it didn't happen. It's a minor thing. It really is not holding me back. It's just something that I wish would have happened. Okay, so, so you, it sounds like you're 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 fishing for things to complain about. You're not really complaining about anything. I, I want to show some negative aspects. The no easy mode is definitely an issue because it puts off new players for it. If you're thinking about playing this multiplayer primarily, a new player who comes in and just gets beat up by the game, that's going to be a negative interaction. That's mm, yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, the spell purchases being boring... It's, it's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to read how it is. Uh, you know, I can compare it to everything else. Well, let's talk about some of the things I did like in the gameplay. That's the best way to balance it out. Let's talk about some of the things I did like in the gameplay. Okay. You get a lot of control with how you're going to be able to use your deck. You, you can control your deck well. You can create strategies for thinking I'm going to focus on this element or I'm going to be focusing on using this spell well. If a spell comes out and you buy it and you use it well... It's you definitely have the ability to push to your strengths or if you're playing solo to keep each different player sort of regimented to you're doing this this game, you're doing this this game and develop a strategy for how to do it over the course of the game. The game also gives you previews of what the next monster's curses are going to be. So you can start getting set up for the next round, even on the current round, to make sure that you're getting prepped for that. So you have a bunch of control and different things that you can do, which means that you can make intelligent plays and you can really feel good about how you're playing the co-op and and striking back at the game. It doesn't feel, I mean, I'm going to talk back to, to ghost stories. It doesn't feel like in ghost stories where a die roll is messing you up. It's not that at all. You have a lot of of tools at your fingertips to be able to push the cards and push control of the game to be able to win and to be able to do well. It's a very skill oriented game. Yeah, I, I like that it's skill oriented. That's that's nice. And also, you feel I mean, a lot of the spells also have interesting things you can do about it if you want to try and make good plays. I especially like playing it in multiplayer when I'm sitting with other people who were playing the more difficult modes, and this is a puzzle to be worked out about how we're going to solve a problem. We we have a limited amount of time to be able to cure a curse, and there's something we can do to be able to cure this curse. Well, how do we do this? Can we put this card together with this card? Can we do more? In solo, I find that harder to do because with multiplayer, I can get four or five players on the boards. There's a lot of cards and things we can interact with. When I'm playing solo, I'm only playing two players, so there's less tools that I'm going to have active at any point in time. So I can do less of that. But still, even in solo, it's still fun to be able to play with all those tools. So anyway, that's the gameplay. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about the theme. And I think in the future, I'm definitely going to start switching theme to be earlier on this list. But uh, the theme... We talked about how the components really start immersing you in it. Um, same thing. The The theme is really spot on in the game. 
all the, the magic and everything going on in this game. This is a wizard type game and you really feel like you're doing doing that side of stuff. Everything in the game comes together to really reinforce the theme. So that's a big plus there, which you can probably tell just from looking at the card art. Yeah, I like that theme. I like the style of the art too, especially. It's just not just the theme, but the just the style of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about how Solo plays, many or a whole class of cards, the air spells, are all primarily based on giving other player actions and letting them take out-of-turn abilities, letting them break turn order. When I had originally played the game, I thought this was going to be the big sticking point for why solo is difficult. Because when I have multiple hands that I'm having to keep interacting between this person to this person, then I switch back to this person's turn, then I move over to this person's turn. And I really thought this was going to be the big sticking point that makes it hard to play solo. Um, Playing two-player, I don't think it's that much of a problem. I think that it's pretty easy relatively easy at least to be able to keep track of who you are who's active when you're doing it the game does come with an active player token even playing multiplayer we never remember to pass that around because when you're playing multiplayer we can remember who's who between doing it but playing solo there are definitely times when i forget who's active and who's not so one thing that i found is useful i actually have printed off just a small sheet of paper and i may make this come up nicer or something like that which in two-player there's five stages to a round. And that means that in two player, either your left player or your right player are going to be doing stage one. And from there on, everything is done. So what I've done is I've just have a little sheet of paper that I start the game with the left player being round one, and then it goes through there. So all I have to do is figure out, well, what stage am I at? And from there, I can figure out who's active. And every time we start a new round, I flip over that card. So it's a reference card to be able to understand which player is active. I found this makes it so much easier in two-player, the playing two-handed solo, to be able to remember which one I'm at, which has made it so much easier to play solo. I kind of wish they would have put a card like that in the game. And then I feel like they could have put one to five players on the box just just by putting that card in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. People, you know, they're still not thinking about solitaire games that much, though. So. Well, it was back in 2015. I don't know, but if, I feel like if they would have come up with that card and put it in the game, they could have called this one to four, one to five players. I've tried using a similar like deck of cards for three players. For some reason, when I'm just flipping a card, it's easier to keep track of. But when I have to keep cycling through a deck of cards, things get messed up. Not quite sure why that's harder for me to do, but it's become harder. I don't know. But for two players, I found it very easy to keep track of it. I've tried three players just to see how it plays, and I haven't liked it as much. The game does have a lot of -of out-of-turn interactions, and it's hard to play with three players. But for two players, it's still a lot of fun being able to move between everyone, especially with that card that that helps me remember who's actually active and who's actually taking a turn and, and where I'm doing and what I'm doing. Now you're saying three players is in three people or solitaire three people? Solitaire three people. Okay. Solitaire okay. three people. It's hard, I it's noticed hard that for me the, to keep track of. Yeah, I noticed the game mentioned it plays best with three players, according to BGG. I would probably say so for multiplayer, but I can't mm-hmm. do it for... Well, it's not that I can't. It's harder for me solitaire to keep track of who's active and where things are going and what's flying. So I just simply don't do it. I do two players. Yeah. And I still have find a lot of fun. Even multiplayer, I find a lot of fun two players. But definitely solo, I find it still fun to work that puzzle and figure out how it is that I'm doing stuff. Uh, gotcha. Um, I also, you know, just in terms of things that make it easier, I actually also use glass beads to track exhausted spells instead of, like, tapping them. Just other mm-hmm. tips and tricks that I have. That's a good so, idea. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier to show what's what's exhausting and what's not. So all in, in general, for Big Book of Madness, we talked about this before. Um, I definitely like it multiplayer. It's a great great puzzle for you to work out with everyone else with excellent immersion, excellent theming. For solitaire, if you don't mind playing multi-handed, I definitely give it a plus. I recommend not trying to stop in the middle of the game and pick it up later because you may not remember where you're holding or what you're doing. Very (laughs) difficult to keep track of all that. But I do recommend playing a multiplayer or a multi-handed solitaire. I've enjoyed it, and it gets a thumbs up from me. Nice. And how long does the game last when you're playing? It takes about an hour to play through. Solo? Solo also, yeah. Well, okay. Is it any faster solo or not really? Not really. Um, 
Because you're still going through that one thing. Yeah, you have the same number of actions and things between solo and not. It takes about an hour. I mean, if you're playing with new players, it probably takes about an hour and a half. But if you're playing with experienced players, it takes about an hour to go through. And, yeah, it's the same amount of time solo and multiplayer. It's the same amount of actions that you're going to have me take over the course of the thing. Now, there's a, a MIME promo on BGG, right, that's available? There's a number of promos, actually, on BGG, if you're interested in getting promos. I I don't recommend getting the MIME promo. It looks like that's the only one that's available anymore. I mean, the other ones, there's definitely other stores where you can get them. There's places ah. where you can get them. Okay, okay. But I, I don't recommend picking up the MIME because I'm not a fan of that mechanic. What MIME does is when it comes out, whenever any monster comes out, it has a negative effect on you. The mime's negative effect is you cannot talk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that could be. Yeah. I, I hate no, those. Not, not very interesting in a solo game. Yeah, in a solo game, it's no news to you. <laughs> He's awesome. You can't like talk break. to yourself. That's that's going to be very difficult because I tend yeah. to talk to myself all the time. <laughs> um, but when I'm playing cooperative games, I really dislike games where I can't talk. I'm fine with limited conversation saying that you're not allowed to talk about the direct contents of your hand but not being able to talk at all like we saw that in fuse we saw that in um we saw that in star trek seven year mission Oof, i i just don't like those okay do the other monsters have have rules like that that affect, sort of affect the metagame sort of thing i guess no no they don't okay that's the only one. And it's a promo. That's probably the reason why they made a promo and not including the actual game. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it does sound like a neat game. It looks like a neat game. Beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful it's, game. It's better now. That's, I'll tell you, that's the real reason why I wanted to get it. It's because I knew it looked really pretty. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And you mentioned there's a first and second edition. Do you know the second edition that adds anything? The second a... edition, it's just fixing some of the errata to the game. Okay. But otherwise, there's no big difference to it. Gotcha. So anyway, I think that's Big Book of Madness. I think we're about done for tonight. Nice. We're done a little bit early, but that's okay because we're going to save that time for the Arkham Horror episode. Yeah, I have a feeling that the next one's going to be a bit longer. We will see how long that all goes. So again, we hope to talk with everyone on July 16th at 8 o'clock Central. On our Discord channel, we're going to be having a big Arkham episode. Everyone gets to come chat with us about the Arkham Horror, the card game, which I have put way too many hours into, and I definitely want to talk about it lots. <laughs> Got to make yeah. up for all the hours I've played it. That's right. So now July 16th is a Sunday, so this episode should come out on a Monday. It'll be the very next Sunday. Yes. Just, just to be clear. Yes. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Ho- hope we get to have you on the next show. Alrighty. Bye, all. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.